Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to go. Welcome to Satellite Sisters. It is Tuesday, April 22nd, uh, 4 22, 2014. It is my husband's 50th birthday. I'm Leanne Dolan here in Pasadena, California. Hi, Julie. You're there in Dallas, Texas. Yes, and happy Earth Day to you, Leanne. Oh, not- Earth Day, too. Okay. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So are you, are you, are you, I know you had a spectacular weekend celebration right. for your husband. So nothing tonight, nothing that's all done. No cake, no cupcakes. No, probably not. He's not a cake or cupcake kind of guy. I still have to give him his actual gift. It was too complicated to bring to the restaurant. We were doing a two part walking tour birthday celebration. So we're going to give him the gift tonight and um, I'm cooking salmon. That's, oh. <laughs> that's always a birthday gift. And then, uh, so that's it. But, um, he, he's really moved on. He doesn't want to dwell. And so I don't want to dwell, but we did have a little celebration and now we're moving on. Um, but we have a really a full show, Julie. I know we say on the Tuesday show going deep on shallow topics, but we actually have some actual topics here. We have a, a college, some college reports, uh, riots on campus. Why are those happening? How to get a job at Google. We're going to talk about, uh, we have a couple of impressive and important studies about aging and aging well. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we're going to get to Sister Selfridge. You tried to talk us out of it, but you couldn't stop us. We just kept watching. <laughs> and we're glad. <laughs> Actually, Leanne, I, they they have picked up on our recommendations. Yes. I, that's what I believe the show producers are, are listening to our podcast. Yes. As they turned it around in this week's episode mm-hmm. of, of Sister Suffrage. But um, first, Julie, just a couple of stories this week, one from my own house and one in the news that just reminded me of the mind of teenage boys. Okay. <laughs> I, I have a 16 year old and an 18 year old. You raised two boys successfully, yes. Julie. And by successfully, I mean, they, they graduated from college. They're alive. <laughs> yes. yes. They're alive. That's I, which is when, when you consider the decision-making process of teenagers, that is not always the case. So, uh, so okay. Yeah. So this this uh this these stories are really for they're for both mothers of boys uh so that we can all feel bonded but they're particularly I think for mothers of girls. If your teenage girls are sitting at home wondering why boys don't call them or why boys did this or why boys did that, I think these two stories will explain a lot. And uh the first one my son Brooks, you know, is taking the gap year. Mm-hmm. And he's been very busy actually working on a couple of professional photography um assignments. Good. <laughs> so Good. unbelievably, he is like a paid photographer now. So he's doing a whole bunch of different work. A couple, Last week, he photographed, for instance, Julie, a surprise engagement at Disneyland. That's so, just amazing that uh, that your little son, Brooksy, is now, uh, people are, are hiring him to take pictures. I mean, he can take over at family events. I know. It's exciting. So, yeah. So he, you know, he staked out this restaurant, the groom-to-be, like, hired them ahead of time to get to, to document the uh the engagement. That's pretty cute. He's doing some car stuff and he has an opportunity to do um, some work for real estate agents to shoot the houses, both oh, the video and one. the stills. Okay. So yesterday uh, I went out to take my other son, who's not finally on spring break, to get his braces off. Amen. Hallelujah. And um, the good news hip, is, hip, Julie. Hooray, Liam. What? Hip, hip, hooray. <laughs> I know. The good news is he still has teeth underneath those braces. Oh. We were both a little worried. Yes. Both a little worried. Condition of the teeth looking good. Um, so Brooks is at home. He's doing the fake photo shoot in our house, okay, of the real estate photos. So he comes home. I come home. He wants to show me the photos. So I look at them, and they're they're well done. You know, they're the right angles. They make the house look big and impressive like you're supposed to. They're filled with natural light. They're all in focus, Julie. They're lovely. But here's the, here's the thing. There are, like, dirty dishes all over... <laughs> 
this the the countertops and there's like newspaper on the floor and he didn't like fold any of the towels uh, in the bathroom you know they're just like towels the hand towels all over the floor and I'm like there and it why is. is that Liam because here why, it why? is photographic proof that they do not see mess that they <laughs> they do not see dirty dishes. Mm-mm, mm-mm. So for 18 years, and I've been saying, pick up after yourself. And he says, I have. And I look around and there's just mess all over the place. Now he does not see mess. I was yeah. like, you cannot submit these. <laughs> He's <laughs> like, why? I was like, well, I mean, well, unless you write some kind of captions, like warm, homey, lived in place, you know, kind of that or here's the before you make the after. You know? <laughs> oh, good, Julie. I just, I was like, this is unbelievable. So then I had to spend like the next two hours, like mutually, we were cleaning the house and styling the house for the photo shoot that he hoped for, you know, the potential work he hopes to get. Like, no wonder I get nothing done, but it just killed me. I was like, there you go. You literally don't see the mess. That explains so much. And then the other story that was like a light bulb going off was the story of the 16 year old, uh, from San, from Santa Clara that hid in the wheel well of the Hawaiian airlines jet. That's and such an amazing story, Leon. I mean, unbelievable I'm... story. Un- I mean, unbelievable. First, he just ran away from home, which is right. too bad. So things were happening there at the house that weren't good. He thought he hopped the fence at San Jose airport. No, no problem there. So that's a to go TSA. I, yeah. I understand that they are reviewing some of their security procedures at the San Jose International Airport right now, Land. Yes, so. that sounds like a good oh. idea. He thought he wanted to go to Africa to see some relatives. <laughs> so, well, okay, so, there's some big thinking, okay? Right. And so then he hops in the wheel well and like promptly falls asleep and then the jet takes off the next day and he basically was passed out the entire five and a half hour flight and then got to Hawaii, you know, was he regained consciousness and sort of fell out of the wheel well. And I just want to say that story perfectly illustrates like when you want to say to your 16 year old son, what were you thinking? Like yeah. about everything they do. I want you to think about that story. Like clearly they are not thinking. There's just a, with the medical proof. Those synapses are not really attached at that age. But Lee, and the the detail that he in fact did not select that Hawaiian airline flight; it was more random. He yeah. just jumped in any old wheel well he saw. Was that was right. that the thing? Oh, I thought he was thinking that. Well, he might as well go to Hawaii because uh, it was on the way to, to his tr- Africa. But uh, no, he appears no. to have just gotten in the first plane that he found on the tarmac. So, you know, that it, what he didn't pick it. Although, who knows? Again, Julie, what was he thinking? We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> we don't know what any 16-year-old boy is thinking. When they make the decisions, just when you're about to look at your 16-year-old son and go, what were you thinking? Just remember that kid in the wheel well, because that's the ultimate, like, what were you thinking? I mean, it's a miracle he's alive, and thank goodness he is. I hope they're not going to press charges against him. No, I hope not either. Because I I just, I think his defense is he's a 16-year-old boy. Yeah, I'm an idiot. That's my my defense. I'm a complete idiot. <laughs> well, and it's very nice to think about that because you obviously can generalize for the whole population of 16-year-old Yes. Boys, and they're all behind the wheels, Leanne. Yeah, I know. So no, that that's is... what I mean. Every decision they make could ultimately be like, I think I'll just get in the wheel well of that plane, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's... What what were you thinking? I mean, how many times have you said that to your sons? Mm-mm-mm. And they're like, what? Yeah, that's <laughs> just unbelievable to me. So there you go. Good luck, parents of, of teenage girls. They are just not worth a minute of your time. That's what I would say. Till well, they're I'm like not... 23 or 24. I know. Well, I have another parenting story, Leanne. I thought I had really heard and read everything on college tours. You know, because it's this time of year, Leanne, that parents take their juniors around to college campuses to try to figure out what they are thinking about colleges. Right. But, uh, not, not, not that you have. But there was a very interesting op-ed piece um, done by a writing faculty member at Sarah Lawrence University, um, uh, Mr. Fuchs, who had um, who started to take his daughter around. And one of the things he's realized is every single college they went to, 
or university, everything sounded exactly the same, you know, <laughs> that, uh, you know, that they were taking the daughter and they were all green buildings now at the university. Oh, yeah. It's all organic food in the cafeteria raised by, you know, uh, self-sustaining farmers that the students get to talk to, that everybody works hard and plays hard, that the library is open 24 hours during exam period. And that it was now because there's so much so much of the same spin and pitch to students that these colleges don't distinguish themselves. So he had some very good ideas for college tours. Number one, he thinks kids and parents should be on different tours. Do not have them go together. <laughs> that right? is a good idea. Right, because kids don't want to, you know, the 16, 17-year-old boy, they don't want to say, ask the questions they really want to ask in front of their parents. They are never going to do it. It is a total waste of time to walk around with your parents, as, as he said. Secondly, I love this idea, tours at night. Oh, the tours are always during the day. The students right. are all sleeping during the day. <laughs> if you really want to see a college campus, you should go at 11 o'clock at night or maybe midnight. <laughs> Have midnight tours of campuses. Then you'd really see what's going on. You'd see the students in action. It would be lively, right? Yes, um, you're right. Yes. Okay. Then he said there should be some lottery system on a college campus so that you don't have the professional tour guides that have all the pre-screened answers and that everything, again, that know about the organic farmers and know about the green buildings. It should be a random selection. Oh, so that I, I, today's you, tour guides are like the Hunger Games. They just announce it at yes, lunch and, and, and whoever it is has to show up. Oh, that's yeah. a good one. And I think, again, that the, that it would help to distinguish these colleges, that kids would really, you know, they might relate better to some of these people that they're seeing on tours or not. I don't know. And finally, he said you, there should be some mechanism for anonymous questions that you, you know, the idea that like when you go to these information sessions and the admissions director says, does anyone have any questions? Nobody wants to raise their hands. Right, because you're that. sunk. You're, if you ask the questions you really want to ask, like what does it take to get into this school, you feel yeah. like they've pegged you in the, your admission file. It's embarrassing to your child, but it's all the parents want to know. Like, yeah. how can we get in here? You know, right. What do we my, need to my do? My son got a C in chemistry, but does he still have a shot at your place? That's right. really what they want to know. Right. So, so I, I think, you know, these are this would be a step forward in the whole college university admissions process if they integrated some of these things. Night college tours. I am up for that, Leanne. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Sometimes when you walk around a college campus during the day, no one's there. No. I mean, especially no. these smaller liberal arts schools, they're all, you know, there aren't that many students anyway, and they're all in class or asleep. You're right. You're like, where is everybody? Yeah. If you really want to see the social life of a campus, yeah. Midnight, one o'clock, two in the morning. Now you're talking. Now you're talking. So other story, Leanne, coming out of the college campus realm that uh, was sort of a headline. Do you realize that in the last two months, there have been 10 riots on college campuses? Ten. Yeah, I didn't realize 10, but I, I can recall a couple that made the news like at the University of Arizona. And there was one just recently. I feel like I saw some, you know, again, police behavior that was being questioned. But I was like, why are the students rioting? So, All what, right. so what's I mean, some of, it, some of it is, you know, there were a bunch associated with the NCAA tournament, right. both winners and losers. Now it doesn't matter whether you're winning in the tournament or you've lost in the tournament. It still sparks the same kind of riots on campus, um, hockey championships, or even off-campus parties that just got totally out of, out of hand. Oh, like in San, UC Santa Barbara. That's right. what happened a couple weeks ago there, right. Right. Well, we're now, and what police uh, and campus officials are, are now pinpointed, they're saying it's because of social media, that the, the Twitter, being able to, you know, use Twitter, now kids where you might have 30 kids at a party one minute, you can have a thousand kids 11 minutes later because of Twitter. And that that ability to sort of assemble with this accelerated speed and the size of the crowds is really throwing sort of campus, campus and police, you know, out, you know, cops off their game. They don't know. They don't know how to respond because things are blowing up so quickly. Um, oh, that I would totally believe that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they said the other thing, and this thing is, again, it's the mind of, 
I think there may be some 16-year-olds involved here, that many students are showing up at these melees, not because they want to participate in the melee, but that they want a selfie of the next to the melee. The me- <laughs> so they are literally going to the spots where these riots are going on so they can take a picture of themselves near the riots <laughs> to send to their friends. They're having, they're finding this is happening a lot. So that's, again, creating a larger and larger crowd. What what were they thinking? Oh, wait. <laughs> these, these are the people that get into the wheel wells of Hawaiian airliners. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, is is that that is I mean, so if you're you know, if you're just trying to have some kind of law and order on your campus, you're just you got to pull your hair out. And they're finding, again, with Twitter, that even if they you know, if the campus police or outside police arrive, the students disperse. But then they're able to reassemble like somewhere else, you know, very quickly. Again. Oh, OK. So, so this is and to take more pictures. <laughs> I just, I don't know. College sounds very different today yes, than yes. when we went. There's just yes. a very a different, emph- there's an emphasis on very different things, yes. I think, at some schools. So, yeah. But, but keep in mind, the one thing with all these selfies and with all these posts uh, online is the police are also using those to identify the students that really were at the, you know, that they plan to arrest right. or, you know, see as the cause of it. Well, it also seems like the police are getting identified for, you know, their poor training or excessive force. I just yeah story on the the news this morning so yeah yeah. yeah, i don't know it just it does make you does make you question what's going on there Mm -hmm. i i don't understand the rioting because we won or the rioting because we lost but now i can see it it's just a frenzy oh they're on twitter or those other you know uh snapchat or instagram they can see it and they just flock to it because Because right. they're 18. Other, our, our, my generation, streaking was the big, like, wild thing to do on campus, to take off all your clothes and yeah. run around naked. You know, so there were a couple of streakers in the late 70s. But so this is this is the new thing, that you just <laughs> go. Tweeting, riding is the new streaking, is that? Yes. Yes, it is, which is really sad. Okay, here's, a, here's just an uh, ap- apropos story then, Julie. I had a friend who... They are on the accepted students college tour. You know, people oh, have to, yes. you know, commit by May 1. Yes. And so uh, their son um, wanted to see a couple of the schools in the Northwest where he was accepted. And so uh, he was at one school, which didn't overwhelm him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the nail in the coffin was the fact that the students at that particular small liberal arts school have a tradition of streaking on accepted students day. So <laughs> he and his very conservative dad are in the parking lot when 100 naked students go running by. <laughs> yes, indeed. That is money well spent to go to that university. <laughs> and so that we was that. We hard and we play hard, Leon. <laughs> That's what they say at college campuses these days. There you have it. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, we're the sort of on. admissions director, that poor admissions director, probably worked all year, traveled to all these places to recruit all, recruit all these kids, and then she has to deal with streakers, or he has to deal yeah, with streakers. Yeah, it was a he. <laughs> the father complained and uh, apparently didn't get any um, didn't get any apology from the admissions director. But okay. This, well, this is a school tradition. <laughs> Okay, well, it's turned us off. So there you have it. (laughs) You work hard and play hard, Liam. There you have it. Well, it's interesting because this week um, Tom Friedman, the columnist from the New York Times, did a follow-up on his uh, sort of wild viral column from a couple of months ago that we talked about here at Satellite Sisters, Mm -hmm. How to Get a Job at Google. Yes. So in February, he talked to Laszlo Bach, who is in charge of all the hiring at Google. What does he call himself? It's it's like some tedious name, like uh, Director of Human Fun or Humanity or, you know... (laughs) Zoomanity. I don't know. It's yeah. like some stupid Google title. Anime. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, but he he did say in the first part of the interview that Tom Friedman wrote up uh, that he said, you know, at Google, it's really a lot less about what you know or where you learned it, 
but the value uh, that you can create with what you know. Like, oh, great, you learned all this stuff at a fancy university, but can you do anything with it? And then he also mentioned in the article that they are increasingly hiring kids that didn't go to college because uh, that's the way they roll at Google. And you don't necessarily need to go to college to be a smoking programmer, basically. Uh, so, mm-hmm. um, so Tom Freeman went back and said, okay, uh, let's continue this conversation. So he first said to Laszlo Buck, is it worth it to go to college at all? And I thought this was a good quote, especially in light of the conversation we're having. Uh, My belief is not that one shouldn't go to college, but most people don't put enough thought into why they're going and what they want to get out of it. He said, we want an informed citizenry where everyone has a baseline of knowledge from which to build school skills. That's a good social thing. But don't just go to college because you think it's the right thing to do and that any bachelor's degree will suffice. And then he went on to say the first and most important thing is to be explicit and willful in making the decisions about what you want to get out of this investment in your education. So if it's rioting and streaking, (laughs) sounds like... I think they're creating a lot of value with that land, just freedom. (laughs) Well, I I mean, people should, you know, it's so expensive. He said, you should think incredibly hard about what you're getting in return, which I think is really, that is good advice. I know. But again, we have the mind of an 18 year old. Is is this what they, are they willfully thinking about it? I think many are. I think many are. Yeah. Uh, And I think you're right. I think the economics of it now, it just forces you to really think about about your school choices or what are, you know, how, what kind of training you're going to get and where you're going to get it. So uh, I'd like, I think that's true. I'd like to believe that they're not just hiring Stanford grads at Google. Yes. Yeah. I think as I, I suspect that's really what, you know, they're doing. That well, they're here's what they're these- not hiring at Google, A plus students in English. because then he went on to just basically eviscerate English majors, which of course got everybody commenting on the New York times just riled up, you know, because half their readers are like English professors. So, uh, he went on to say, listen, you just, you need to major in something hard, basically computer science and math, because it, it, you know, it's, we would rather see on this. I don't, this, I believe, a B student in computer science than an A plus student in English because it, this is what got people mad, signals a rigor in your thinking and a more challenging course load. Okay. So obviously this guy so never read Ulysses. But- yeah. Mystery Humanity better not leave that Google campus. Because <laughs> he's, he's surrounded. He's- he is going to get run down by some A plus English major over that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah. So that got a lot of people mad. But uh, you know, I think that's what they believe that math and coding are much much harder than you know Southern writers, for instance. <laughs> I guess again, they've never read Faulkner. But okay. So, uh, but then he goes on to say, um, you know, they asked him, are the liberals still important then? And then he he kind of back. He said, yes, they're phenomenally important, especially when you combine them with math and computer science. Uh, Basically, 10 years ago, behavioral economics was rarely referenced, but then you apply social science to economics and suddenly it's a whole new field. I think a lot about how the most interesting things are happening at the intersection of two fields. So (laughs) English and computer science. Okay, but okay, Mr. Computer Science, you still need content I know. for your stupid stupid Google pages. <laughs> if there was no content, if you didn't have those English majors churning out all that free content, you know? Yeah, like idiots. Unpaid <laughs> free content, like fools. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Julie, yes, feel free to write to the New York Times because pretty much all of the comments are just outraged, you know, uh, fans of the English major. Um, so here's though, what really turned me off. Like I was sort of on board turned off by this. You're, you're still with this guy. I wasn't surprised. I mean, I was not surprised. Like when you talk to those tech guys, they think they're awesome. You know, (laughs) it did not surprise me. Like Google, I think they said in the last article, 80% of the people there can code. Well, that's not normal. 80% 80% of the general public can't code. So that's, they're looking for very specific skill sets. But then this is why, this is where you're like, oh, it must be just really tedious to work uh, at a place like that. How do you write a good resume? They asked him, you know, and he said, the key is to frame your strengths as I accomplished X relative to Y, 
by doing Z. So then Laszlo Box says, most people would write a resume like this, wrote editorials for the New York Times, but it's much better to say, had 50 op-eds published compared to average of six by most op-ed writers as the results of providing deep insight into the following area for three years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, you don't want to work at that company. Yeah, he is, he's getting more hateable as, <laughs> as you go, go along. So. I mean, I, I used to admire Google. They're do, they seem like they're doing fine things. Uh, I, I, I just don't know why they can't. Isn't it enough that they're like running the universe? Do yeah. they have to like take everybody else down? Right. I mean, re- it's really. just the acting so superior that's, that we can't stand. Inferior people like myself. That's what we don't like about superior people is when they act superior. You know. Well, here's what he said. Most people in an interview don't make explicit their thought process behind how or why they did something. And mm-hmm. even if they are able to come up with a compelling story, they are unable to explain their thought process. So there you go. If you have a new grad or if you've been out of work a long time, get to work on that. I accomplished X relative to Y by doing Z. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. It, was, it annoyed me. By the we, end. We got, we got to take him down, Lynn. We just, we got to, <laughs> I want you to monitor that situation as he has other pronouncements coming out. We have to now take this on as our cause because I, I believe he's going to be proven incorrect. <laughs> Well, it does make me, I mean, it makes me think of all the time. You get asked a lot, you know, what do you do? Or, you know, when you say you're a writer, people want to, have you written anything I've read? And then you tend to go, well, yeah, I had some magazine columns. I have never said I accomplished X by doing Y (laughs) than getting Z. I've never said, well, I've had columns at magazines where other writers would kill to work at. You know, by how many friends does this guy have? (laughs) Does he have a family? I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, you know, it's interesting. Barrick interviewed somebody. My husband interviewed a recent college grad. He graduated Mm -hmm. in January. So 21, very young, uh, for a job this week. And he did sort of reiterate what this guy said, which was essentially this applicant had a very, very specific skill set that absolutely fit Barrick's needs. And it was highly specialized, highly unusual in the field of, like, research and urban urban planning and demographics and geography. This guy had like a combined major of all those things and could do this one particular skill that they really needed. So my husband said he wasn't like the interview blew me away. Like in general, I would look for someone with a broader knowledge, but because he had such a specific, highly desirable skill set, they're going to offer him a job. So unfortunately, Mr. Google was right. <laughs> this one time. This one time. Well, I don't even know if I can do this next story because it was such shocking news. But now I'm in such an irritable mood, Leanne, and I feel like running down Mr. Google on, a, on one of those Google bicycles. I'm not sure this is true because the headline I wanted to talk to you about, Leanne, is that a new large-scale research study says that we actually get nicer with age. No. Oh. We get nicer, <laughs> except for us, the bitter business. Except for that tiny slice of our life we call the Bitter Business Bureau. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So, but this is true. That uh, on your five big personality traits, they call it the Big Five: conscientiousness, agreeableness, openness, extroversion, and neuroticism. These five, these five um, traits. That's really the you know the sort of the core of your personality. And they've done this large-scale study, and they found the older people got, the more conscientious they were, Leanne, that they were more able to live up to their responsibilities. They kept their job. They showed up on time. They they did what they said they were going to do. Agreeableness, that um, that they were, you know, they uh, they could work with other people, with their neighbors, with, you know, with their coworkers, with their family members. They just had learned along the way how to get along a little better than other people. Openness, the idea that as you age, you're actually open to new ideas and thoughts and different ways of, of thinking of things. Obviously not the Google way, <laughs> but uh, but most people have that. And even introverts, as the older they get, the more confident they are that they tend to move move up the you know introvert extrovert scale, and that some of your neuroses that you have in your early twenties, 
you know, and sort of the self-absorption, the narcissism, a lot of those diminish the older you get uh, on average, that that's what they're finding during the aging process. So by boosting your conscientiousness, your agreeableness, your openness, your extrovert, being more of an extrovert and sort of playing down some of your neuroses, then you end up as a, being perceived as a nicer person. Yeah. How about that? I would agree. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I, I'm just less, uh, I just don't have the energy to be as judgmental as I used to be. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. Just, well, that's, that's probably, that's, that's that agreeableness. Right. Yes. Yes. So it's, it's not that I'm consciously being more agreeable. I just, I just too exhausted to be judgy. <laughs> Is that the same thing? It can work in your favor, And Yes. I mean, what they were saying though, that if you know, you know about the big five mm-hmm. and you know about this this tendency that you can actually, by making small changes, you can have a big impact on your personality, you know, that you can move to being perceived and, and then eventually actually being nicer by, by working on it. Sort of like, it's sort of like being on a diet when you know, you have to like, you know, lose weight you sort of start to focus on, you know, changing your behavior, making small steps in your, you know, in exercise and diet, and then it becomes a habit. Well, the, the research says that if you do the same thing, if you're, let's say, more introverted and you would like to be more comfortable in social settings, that by making small changes, you can actually become more extroverted. So, yeah. and, uh, and, you know, be, and be, and become nicer. So, but it takes a lot of work and you have to, you know, do it in small steps. You have to be committed. So it's sort of like the five pound rule, Liam, right. that, you know, gain and lose the same five pounds. Well, then I think, I think there's a little slip sliding on the niceness scale too, that, you know, you may be open and agreeable for a while, but then you might slip back to being your old bitter self. So um, you have to watch it. Now, the only thing that I question about this whole, this large scale research study it was done with Australians. Oh, so I think this oh people, that explains a lot. Yeah, because they're the nicest people on yeah, earth. Yeah, aren't they? Yes. Why yes. not? Yeah. Yeah, have uh, Australians. So I'm not sure it would hold the same for Americans, certainly not for the French. There could be, oh, there's a number of countries where I'm not sure you're able to actually become nicer with age. But um, Australians, they're able to do this. Well, you know, I, I do think there's a, for many years, actually, my, my, um, New Year's resolution was just to be nicer. You know, I wasn't <laughs> for like 15 years. So it wasn't even just be nice. It was be nicer. I wasn't, I was, I, but. Okay. Okay. I, you know, and I'm not Australian, so I'm never going to be nice a hundred percent, but okay. I do feel like you can move forward in that area. Okay. As long as, especially if you stay open to new ideas. And that's, you just stop caring as much about what other people think of you. And that's very, I think, freeing, you know? Yes. Yes. So, yes. all right. Something to work for, towards as we age, being nicer. Um, although you do have that idea that there's just crotchety old people. So I'm not, <laughs> I don't know. That's what I'm saying. That's why yeah, huh. I was a little skeptical of this study. And then when I realized they, you know, they really focused on Australians, I was like, ah, well, I don't know. All right. Here is also some good news. If you not only do you want to be nicer as you age, if you want your skin to look younger, Julie, okay. a landmark study this week reported in the New York Times, coming out of McMaster's University in Ontario. Um, those are Canadians. Liam. Those are Canadians, uh, they're and they're nice. so nice. They're super nice. Uh, and um, exercise not only appears to keep skin younger, it may also reverse skin aging in people who start exercising later in life. Really? Okay. Reverse it. Reverse it, Julie. Reverse you mean that it. Some of my wrinkles are going to go well, I already exercise. Lean. Right. I don't so I don't know what that means if yeah. you already exercise, but I think it means continue to exercise okay. because you've already benefited from your skin looking younger. Okay, according to research after age 40, we know the death now. Most of us begin to experience a thickening of of our stratum corneum, which okay, is what is that? Liam? That is the final. Is, is that my rear end? The stratum corneum. Well, the final protective or outer. Is that underneath my arms? That that thing that hangs down. Is that the stratum corneum, or is it that 
That like bag I'm getting on my neck. Is that called the uh, stratum corneum? Where is it, Leanne? <laughs> it's everywhere, Julie. The inner thigh area that I'm working on? What's what what it's it's everywhere. Okay. It's the final protective outer layer of the epidermis. Okay. The top layer of your skin. Okay. It's the portion of the skin that you see and feel. And uh, the good news is it's composed of mostly dead skin cells and mm. some collagen. And okay. it gets drier, flakier, and denser with age. Yes, indeed. Okay. okay. So that's what's happening. The top, it's getting denser, but the layer of skin beneath the epidermis, the dermis, begins to thin. And that's when we begin to, I think we all know, lose elasticity. <laughs> okay. Yes, indeed. Okay. And these changes, good news or bad, are independent of skin damage from the sun. Okay. It's solely the result of the passage of time. So this is, it's just, we are all losing elasticity, even if we never sat out in the sun, Nicole Kidman. So just wait, because it's coming. <laughs> okay. Okay. That makes me feel good, Leanne. I know it's not the least bit nice, but I, I'm glad to hear that she's going to get wrinkly too. Okay. And, go ahead. and she's Australian. Okay. Uh, so uh, here's the thing though. They did this study a couple of different ways to, you know, isolate for genes and for diet and for overall health and things like that. But all the skin samples they took were from people's butts. I don't know why that made me. That's that. There, there you have it, Leanne. Yeah. So, uh, the researchers set up a group of sedentary volunteers to exercising after first obtaining skin samples from their buttocks. Uh, 65 and older at the study start, study, study start and their skin. Yeah. Can I just stop you? Cause that is such a, just a hideous visual <laughs> thinking about this research, just 65 year old butts. And they're like, analyzing them and they're all lined up and they've got their pants down. Yeah. Oh, it's just terrible. I'm so, sorry. And these are sedentary buttocks. Oh, okay. Okay. Woo. Okay. Oh, those are, there's some baggy butts. Oh, that's 65. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> so, okay. so they began this fairly straightforward endurance program twice a week, jogging or cycling, the equivalent of 65% of their maximum aerobic capacity. So they were hitting aerobic capacity mm -hmm. for 30 minutes for three months. And then they biopsied their butts again. <laughs> and this time the skin looked different. The outer and inner layers look similar to that of 20 to 40-year-olds, Julie. They lost 25 years on their butts. <laughs> okay. That is incredible. But who can you show, Leanne? Who can you show? But it changes skin composition, but they're not exactly clear how. But uh, they said this is very exciting research, and once again, exercise works. So there you go. There you go. Exercise changes our bodies. It reverses wrinkling and other damage from the sun. It's okay. unbelievable. Uh, so, oh, no, it doesn't. That's, no, I, I, that was wrong. I, I was wrong. Doesn't do that. It says there is no evidence that it reverses wrinkling or other damage from the sun. But underneath it all, you're going to feel, you're going to look 20 to 40 years old. <laughs> so never okay. mind. Okay. Okay. Just, just you and your pants are going to know about it. Okay. That sounds good, Leanne. Um, oh, here we are. It's already time for Sister Selfridge. Here, let, I'm going to bring up the character hub from the uh, website of PBS because last week I forgot Miss Martle's name and I heard about it. Yes, you did, Leanne. Yes, you I heard did. about it. I knew her backstory. I just, in the moment of doing Sister Selfridge, I forgot her name. So I'm bringing up the character hub. So we have people's names at the ready, uh, and I'm also bringing up our Facebook page because we asked your opinions on this week's show, and uh, we got some, so thank you very much. If you're looking to join our Facebook group, Liz said our numbers are going up in, uh, well, you know, by a, a handful every day, I think she said. Again, some outstanding research being done at Satellite Sisters yes. Hub, too. Yes. Yeah. Well, we so, love that. Yeah. Share the sisters. Thank you very much. We appreciate that. Yeah. So uh, so um, you can go to the Facebook page. It's an open group. You do have to apply for membership. But again, it's just Liz 
making sure that you're not uh, a sex worker or a bot. So don't worry. <laughs> if you're neither one of those things, you should be fine. And yep. uh, we'll be happy to approve you. Uh, you can always email us. We think Liz knows how to get back into the email. Sisters at SatelliteSisters.com is where you can email us directly for the show. But we always love hearing your comments. Well, most of the time. <laughs> so, no, all right. People set us straightly. And, and, and I, I think a lot of people with Sister Selfridge, they wanted they they thought we should abandon our our work here because it was going so poorly i think <laughs> yes and we did jump on the bandwagon of the show in season two. But please be alerted that we have gone behind the scenes and figured out what the character's backstory is. So last week we thought it was kind of a dull episode, that there wasn't much happening, that it was a little uh it was a little stayed, it wasn't too there weren't any fresh storylines. But Julie, I feel like they completely turned it around this week. Like this week was, to me, the best episode that we've seen of the four this season. I, I, absolutely, Leanne. They took, a, took our suggestions <laughs> and they cranked it up. They yeah. cranked it up. I mean, hooray for the women on Mr. Selfridge. Yeah, the Real Housewives of London town. Yeah, they're doing it, aren't they? These girls, they're shooting guns. They're kissing men. They're throwing away their corsets. Their skirts are coming up. I predict they're going to ask for the vote any day now, Leon. What do you think? I thought it was a very exciting episode. All the women had great shows. We had handsome guys showing up with violins at the front door. That was un unbelievable. Uh, we had, uh, I liked when uh, Lady Mae Loxley like completely dissed the new head of fashion there. Now I have to look up his name, but you all know who I'm talking about. <laughs> that Mr. Guy. Thackeray. Mr. Mr. Thackeray. Mr. Yes. Thackeray. I love when she dissed him. That was yeah. great. We had Rose Selfridge setting up shooting lessons for the women and re restructuring their uniforms. And we had the leader of the warehouse girls, you know, stepping forward. And she's like. She reminded me of uh, My Fair Lady, didn't she? Yeah, she had the, the Cockney accent yes. from my, my Fair Lady. In fact, I think she was in her high school production of My Fair Lady. <laughs> I did. Yeah. That was like crazy Cockney it's accent. It's Eliza Doolittle and Mr. Yeah. Selfridge. Yeah, I can't do a Cockney accent. But well, neither can she. That's the thing. <laughs> But yeah. no, just in general, the women were great. We have Miss Martle. She, she's taking in the refugees. The handsome Belgian showed oh. up. It wasn't proper for her. We know her romantic history. She's trying to revive herself after, you know, Mr. Grove broke her heart and she disappeared for five years. And now she's back with money in a house. And she was into that younger man. Wouldn't you say, Joel? Absolutely. And <laughs> I called for it last week. Yes. I was asking for forbidden love. And now we have it. Miss Martle and that young Belgian. I, and I say to Miss Martle, go for it. You have the house, you have the cash, get yourself some Belgium waffle. That's what I say, right? <laughs> And, then, and I like that Agnes is living with her, too. Again, good story twist. Okay, plots moving forward. Characters interacting in an interesting way. Good work. And, of course, Agnes back with the handsome Italian, Victor. So <gasps> that well, And that I, was a kiss, wasn't it? That was a kiss, Leon. See, that's the thing. I mean, first of all, Agnes and Miss Martle, I love their friendship. Don't you love yes. that? Don't you love to watch it? Yes. And that it's very satisfying and they're so cute together. And you are right. Yes, this is going in the Agnes and Victor, that's going in the right direction. I mean, they really have chemistry. There is some fire there. And I'm so happy they're back together. And can we just, just for a moment, Leon, I hate to bring it down. Right. But I'm going to bring it down. Can we just compare and contrast Agnes and Victor versus Harry and Rose? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Harry and Rose, these two seem to be in a high school production of Guys and Dolls. The way they read their lines. They have absolutely no chemistry. I, I would agree to that. And I know we took some heat last week because we, quote, don't know the backstory. But I just, I don't. I, I don't get it. I don't get those two. So uh, I know people will set us straight, but I would agree. And then the one like kind of sexy scene they had, like, hey, yeah. come on in, honey. That yeah. was very Ari Gold. When he kicked that door shut, it was entourage. Yeah. <laughs> it was entourage. Lloyd. Yeah. I mean, it was, that's why it was, it was lively. Okay. Well, I have, you know, I have really been pondering it and I know that we've been taking some heat in the Facebook uh, group <laughs> about our criticisms of this show. 
but it, I really, the other night, uh, I just, I sat right up in bed about two o'clock in the morning. And I, I don't know why I was thinking this. I said, to Americans, that is what the problem yeah. with this show. This is a British drama. And, you know, unlike Downton Abbey, where we just have one American, Lady Grantham, <laughs> yeah. here we have the two Americans and it's, too many ruining it i mean i want more british accents or something thank goodness their son gordon has that i don't know where he got his accent that totally upper crust british accent he's and now he has a little action going on there with the counter girl don't you think yeah again lots happening this week in the romance front which let's face it it's just a glorified soap opera so awesome yes there should be more happening in the romance front we had kitty Kitty going after the uh, the um, newspaper man. We don't enjoy him, but I don't know. No. She's got something up her sleeve, so we'll see that. Yeah, no, I like I like, and I just like how assertive all the women are, and they're just they're just as Kitty said, men are simple. Liam, that's what she said. <laughs> what were you thinking? Oh wait, no, you you weren't. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. Um, okay, so there were some devious, uh, some devious people this yes. week. Okay, yes. so Henri Leclerc, okay, the okay. Frenchman who has come back. He was allegedly in America, but now we find out that he was perhaps in Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps he is uh, involved in an international espionage ring. Maybe he's mm-hmm. spying for the Germans. What do you think, Julie? What do you think about? Oh, that? I think. Well, last week, you know, I thought he was all down, but this week, I think he's up to good. I really, I, I really too. feel like it's going to be. Really Revealed that um, that in fact he is working for the French Resistance um, during World War One, whatever they was. Called. But I don't. I don't really. The resistance. Think... <laughs> yes. No. 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 But I don't. I, don't I thought the French Resistance was World War Two. I know. So I don't know what they had in World War One, but I think that's what he's working for. So I think he's working behind the scenes with that. What do you think about Delphine? Delphine uh, is up to something. Yeah. She's and shady. I think that's what uh, the Facebook group said. Yes. She's a shady character. I, she is not to be trusted. And uh, and I think she has just used Rose Selfridge, you know, to get herself ingratiated with them. But um, but she is playing it every which way. That's yeah. I didn't know whose side she was on in that card game, which was actually very dramatic. The card game. I thought, yes, I don't know which way this is going to go again. Yeah. Sign of a good drama. I know. I know <laughs> that you can't read what's going to happen at the end of the scene. So that was very exciting. I was glad to see Lord Loxley go down. And then I'll be honest, Julie, I watched that last scene with the. Who was that guy at the end that called? Mr. Summertime or something. Okay, I watched it like three times. I couldn't understand what he was saying. So do you have any insight there? Cause I yeah, just I think did... he said that he is going to, I think he works for the government, Leon. He's okay. the spy. Um, okay. I, think he's, I think he's going to recruit Mr. Selfridge. That's what appears to be happening when I saw scenes from next week's episode. Okay. That, is, that he's going to work for the British government. But there, uh, I don't know in what capacity. So that's, that will have to be revealed. But he's the spy. And, and I think Loxley continues. I think, you know, just as you said, he was great in that card game. You know, he, he really, he is someone to watch. And he's got a lot more tricks up his sleeve. And Delphine, though, is the real question mark. You know, she is, she is, she's going to be a key character, I think. Okay, so Beckett wrote on the Facebook page, I think Delphine is shady as heck, and that Polly Walker, who plays her, has come a long way from her Jane Fairfax days. Okay, it was killing me that I could not recognize what that actress was from. So thank you, Beckett. Yeah. That she was Jane Fairfax, of course. Thank you so much. Uh, Beckett also said that she liked the warehouse spokeswoman's moxie. Let's just call her Eliza Doolittle because yes. we don't know her name. So, and that Mr. Grove can't handle the thought of ladies' ankles. And then she adds, I hate Mr. Thackeray, who is the uh, the pompous beauty expert or yeah. fashion expert. Uh, but I think Mr. Thackeray, I think they're going to take that character and he's going to do some bad things and hurt people. But then he's going to turn may he's going to turn around and that you know he will become stay part of the family There'll so be a redemptive think... moment from yes, mr thackeray yes, yes i i believe so Lena. diane wants us uh to know she's very happy that victor and agnes are back together again mm-hmm. yay good we gotten rid of gabriella the gorgeous gabriella she's gone back to italy she may resurface but who knows and then uh, sue said this episode was really fun. I guess they de- uh, decided to avoid the predictably sad and ominous wartime feeling, and it worked. 
agreed that Delphine is not to be trusted, but then very few characters are trustworthy. She liked the shooting range and the card game. <laughs> it was good. He certainly, Mr. Crab certainly put that shooting range together very fast. He did a but... <laughs> very fine job, and he is going to work every day for the rest of his life, Leon, to, to help the Selfridge brand and name. And so, yeah. I mean, that scene, just again, that just Harry and Rose outside the uh, the windows, storefront windows. It was like they were reading the lines. That was terrible. Come on. Terrible. I, but, uh, Harry, I don't. Well, you know, and that actress is British. Yeah, well. So that's I, what freaks me out. So. All right. I'm just, I, I just, it's, um, but, but all in all, an, an enjoyable evening of watching, uh, watching Mr. Selfridge. I, I really, it, it's, it's gone, taken, really taken it to a different level. I'm very happy about that. And uh, I'm sticking with this uh, series, don't you think, Liam? Well, last week, Julie, I was ready to give it up when people suggested that we were, it's like we were being forced to watch it. And uh, you said we are sticking with this till the bitter end. And so um, thanks for that pep talk. See? Okay. Any more predictions for next week that you expect to see? Uh, let's see. Well, you know, you know that Victor and Agnes will not have a smooth path to love. I know. So there will be complications there. So, uh, I think that that's true. And, um, and I cannot wait to see where the shop girl and Gordon go. That's exciting. I I think that's going to be a nice little uh, romance. I think, uh, Miss Martle and the waffle man are going to get it on. So I'm happy about that. And, uh, And I think there'll be more intrigue at um, Delphine's Cafe. That's what I think. (laughs) All right. You can always uh, find us on the Facebook page if you want to comment on Sister Selfridge. And I'm sure you will. Um, Jewel, what else do you have? You have one other thing? You need some help with something? I do, Leanne. Emergency book club recommendation. Okay. Our book club, we have this system where whoever is hosting the book club they're the ones that do the research on to propose various of uh, another the next book to read, but uh, somehow that's all fallen apart this uh, this month, and so we have to come recommending a book. And I don't have any book recommendations right at the moment. Do you have any, or can you help me? <laughs> okay, you know what? Yesterday I went to Romans, our local bookstore, and I bought a few books because I'm in writing mode, so I'm, you know, reading a lot. Um, I bought one from our friend Chris Pavone, and he's not really our friend, Julie, but I say that because he wrote that book you enjoyed called The Expats. Yes. Remember that about the family abroad? He has a new book out called The Accident. Okay, so that's it's a thriller. It got very, very good reviews, better reviews than his first book, which we enjoyed. And it's about the publishing business. So it's set in the publishing business, but it's a thriller. Okay. So I recommend that to you. If you want a, you know, quick read, a thriller, it looks good. And then the other one I bought that I think um, you might enjoy, uh, because it sounded juicy to me and other people have loved it, is The Headmaster's Wife. Oh, so okay. I don't have the name of the author. It's a male with three names. Uh, that's what I can t- <laughs> tell you. And it's, okay. a, and it's supposed to be sort of in the gone girl vein. Okay. So, uh, okay. so that right. might also be juicy for your Dallas friends. Okay. Yeah. So that uh, good, Thomas Christopher Green, you can see okay. those are three totally interchangeable names. <laughs> Who would know? Uh, <laughs> But, um, yeah, so that, that looks good. Uh, the headmaster of Vermont's elite Lancaster school. So there you go. Okay. That's two good suggestions. If anyone else has other suggestions, it's not too late to buzz in with those. So I will be taking those to book club and I'll let you know what we select. Okay. Leon, what do you have going on this week? Um, let's see. Well, my son's on spring break. So, um, there, there will be, I think more meal preparation. Uh, we are going, as Liz mentioned on the Sunday podcast to the Simpsons table read. We're very excited about that. That should be fun. We're a big, um, you know, big Simpsons family. I, I know we can debate it at different times, at a different time, Julie. Uh, and that's that's it. Uh, we just, we're just kind of hanging out. He is just enjoying not going to school because it's the <laughs> world's longest, sp- latest spring break because Easter was so late this year. Mm-hmm. So okay. uh, he, I know he has to work on an English paper too because that's high school. You know, you have to work on stuff. So that's it. We just, it's a, it's kind of a hangout sort of week. I was, we may go out to lunch. I don't know. He needs some new shoes. 
<laughs> well, uh, just an action-packed week, Leanne. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a great week. And don't forget, call your satellite sister. Thank you.